0: Chuck Swindoll says, if you think that being extremely busy equates itself with spirituality, learn a lesson from Nehemiah. It is not in the rush and hurry of activity that a person gains the respect of those around him. It is what he does when he is alone. Today, we're talking about leading from silence and solitude.
1: You're listening to the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders.
0: Brought to you by eeleaders.com. Well hello everyone we are back at it again learning leadership lessons from Nehemiah and his autobiography and today I want you to notice something that you might not think of when it comes to leadership, silence and solitude. Uh, In verse 11 and 12 it sort of gives us a little bit of a a principle that we want to learn dive uh, down deep and dig into today about a place from leading from silence and solitude. Nehemiah writes this, when he went into Jerusalem he said I went into Jerusalem and there and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me, but the one on which I rode super powerful text, right? (laughs) You wouldn't necessarily get a whole episode out of this unless you have knowing uh, what's really going on. And I want to draw out this point. Nehemiah is leading from a place of silence and solitude. This text is giving us this important principle that he is going out investigating, pondering, monitoring. He even says, there's no other animal with me, but the one I rode. Now, obviously, when most people think about great leaders, they think about the things great leaders do. They've accomplished. Abraham Lincoln, uh, Martin Luther King, the civil rights, Mother Teresa and how she lived in Calcutta, uh, uh, a uh, Calcutta and John Wesley, the Methodist movement. You go down the list and you look at leadership and you think about what they did, even bad leaders. Hitler, you associate with the Holocaust and the bad things he did. Now, it is true that great leaders accomplish great things. Henry Ford said, You can't build a reputation on what you're going to do. Winston Churchill said, However beautiful the strategy, you should occasionally look at the results. And great leadership guy peter drucker said effective leadership is not about making speeches or being liked leadership is defined as results not attributes so when most people think of successful and great leadership they think of accomplishments but the principle i want to bring up to you today is how how do we accomplish these great things not what we do but how do we do it is it a whole bunch of effort discipline planning hard work uh, by being busy of course, but it's something else uh, What needs to be added to our list as well as leaders. I want you to think about silence and solitude as how to get great things done. Listen, do you esteem doing so much that you forget the process of being in your leadership? of pondering, of meditating, of thinking, critical thinking. For us as Christian leaders, it's important not just what we do, but also how we do things because we're told practicing our leadership is worship unto the Lord. Now, when most people think about great leaders, they don't think about this attribute of silence and solitude. But yet I want to propose to you today that this is how many great leaders actually get amazing things done by taking time to listen to pause, to ponder, to spend time in God's presence and just think. You know, my dad always said, God gave you a brain, man, use it. And we, we see this constantly be found in the Bible as one discipline that's important. Critical thinking, being before the Lord, taking time. Dan Rockwell said, listening is central to the development of humility. And we need to be humble before God to have his grace be poured out into our leadership. And so let me give you some definitions of what I mean by silence and solitude. Silence is staying still, not speaking, taking time to process, think, plan, and pray. When we come before the Lord in silence, we're praying, we're thinking, we're planning, we're necessarily not speaking, maybe even listening. Solitude, taking rest and taking time away from others, being by yourself, being with the Lord. Successful leaders know how to handle themselves in solitude and when no one is looking. And so oftentimes the leaders we respect and trust and follow are strong in the area of silence and solitude. Another way of saying this is they have integrity, doing what is right when no one is looking. Chuck Swindoll said it is in the silence that a person secures the respect of the public. It is in the silence that a person secures the respect of the public because it's in the prep work that a successful leader uh, succeeds. And and this includes silence and solitude. Now, I'm amazed as a pastor how people still don't think how a message gets prepared. Uh, even EE leaders, a lot of people think they just come to me and it just happens. No, I have to pray, prep, study, do all these different things. And honestly, uh, people don't really think about the prep work, the thought, Uh, they only look at see the stuff in the spotlight they esteem a message or even a podcast but not the study and the prep work and the thought behind it but people also have this mindset not just with a, a messenger or a preacher they have this mindset with leadership they just see great accomplishments of men and women that are leading and doing great things and they forget all the time the preparation the thinking the planning the prayer that it takes to accomplish hard work it's sort of like let me just say, it's like an iceberg. You see the iceberg, but it's 10 times more underneath the water. Jesus would speak about this principle of integrity, prep work, and how it all matters. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, he would say, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you shut the door, pray to your Father who is in, secret, in the secret place, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. You know, it was the great uh, coach, Bobby Knight, he said, it, it has always been my thought that the most important single ingredient to success in athletics or life is discipline. Man, do you see silence and solitude as a spiritual discipline that you're practicing to become a great person, a godly leader? Uh, it is the work that many of us don't see, but many feel. And so part of the preparation of a godly leader must include silence and solitude to get some work done. And I know this sounds weird and unusual to us because we value being busy and, and and so active. You know, one of the common responses that we get is, I am busy. What do I mean by that? Well, how are you doing, man? What's going on? Oh, I'm just busy. I'm busy. But listen, busyness does not mean effectiveness. Activity does not mean that there's actually brought value. If I'm busy... Uh, if if I'm if I have value and I'm putting forth effort, I'm trying to prove myself to you. But when we're with godly leaders, we don't need to prove ourselves to other people. We need to abide in Christ and be before Him in His presence, and allow Him to to really pour His heart into ours, so ministry can be an overflow. You know, Jesus said in John 15:4 and 5, "Abide in Me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in Me." I am in the vine and you are in the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you could do nothing. Abiding and not works. Did you notice that? It gives us impact and fruit. Our faith, our abiding will lead to works. Yes, but they'll be more effective if we take the time to be in silence and solitude before the Lord and retreat and go away with God to get our energy and our strength. And too often times as church leaders, we can be so busy, we could drown out our greatest resource, our greatest strength, God himself, because we're not being still before the Lord and resting in him. This is why I tell people spending time with Jesus is the most important thing you can do in your Christian walk and in your Christian leadership. Craig Griselle said, you have to guard the time that you rest and replenish. Why? Because ministry is an overflow of the heart. And so you need to take time to cultivate it, to spend time with God. And this is what we're talking about when we're talking about silence and solitude. Nehemiah went away for three days. He he evaluated, he took process. He didn't take anyone with him, didn't share any heart. He was just evaluating in silence and solitude and in prayer and being with the Lord. I know a lot of leaders today are so busy. They wanna go, go, go and get after it, but don't have the time to spend with God and have him influence our lives. You know, Charles Spurgeon said this about praying and working. He said, I like that saying of Martin Luther when he said, I have so much business to do today that I shall not be able to get through it with less than three hours of prayer. Now, most people would say, I have so much business to do today that I only have three minutes of prayer. I cannot afford the time. But Luther thought that the more he had to do, the more he must pray or else he could not get through it. That is a blessed kind of logic. We, uh, may we understand it. Spurgeon, the great prince of preaching, understood the power of prayers. He would preach and have hundreds of people praying for him, for the word of God to go forth. But he also knew that he had to take that time for himself because the tasks are so important. The list and responsibilities are so high. We have to pray. And let me give you some encouragement. Psalm 23, 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You know what that means to me? That we can take time to be in God's presence even in the midst of our crazy work schedule. In the midst of the battle, in the midst of our enemies, God can anoint our head and fill our hearts to overflow and do ministry. Bible commentator and pastor Tony Evans said, prayer is the power for action. Prayer is the power for action. Let's have our actions be powerful as we go in silence and solitude. And so when I'm referring to silence, I'm talking about a time where you drown out the noise of the world, the busyness, the things uh, of this life and make space to be silent before God. This truly impacts your leadership. And Nehemiah really saw a miracle, a move of God in his life. Listen, the king granted him to leave, to go to work to the wall. He waited patiently, he traveled. And a part of this is this trip wasn't an easy thing for him. He not only waited 4 months from Chislev to uh, Nisan, but then after the king said go, he left from Susa, the capital of Persia to Jerusalem. Some say this trip would have been about 3 months, approximately 900 miles in distance. So you have to you have to understand Nehemiah in doing this great burden to actually coming to Jerusalem probably seven to eight months at least just to get there. And so he finally gets to Jerusalem and you would think he would start gearing to go, let's do this. But he goes on a silent retreat, not taking anyone, not letting know what people are happening. He didn't start with sharing the vision. He wanted to examine things, do research, think through the situation and pray. He practiced silence and solitude before quickly leading. This is important for us Who are impatient, who just want to rush through things, to take time to praise God and pause, think, examine, process, plan, pray, understand that we have this resource. It says he took three days before he even started speaking to the officials. Man, verse 16 of this chapter says the officials did not know where he had gone or what he had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or others who did the work. Nehemiah was was working when no one knew it. Do you work when no one knows it? Are you practicing silence and solitude before you share the vision, making sure it's of God and for God? Now, when I think about Nehemiah doing this, it also reminds me of Jesus and how he often withdrew. Luke five sixteen says, "But he would uh, would withdraw to desolate places and pray." Jesus constantly said he was doing the Father's will, and this only happens when we're in prayer when we receive revelation from God. In fact, right before Jesus started his earthly ministry in Matthew chapter four, it tells us that the spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness, a solid, solitude place. And he was there for 40 days. And then he was tempted by Satan, but he overcame him. This doesn't sound like fun. This isn't a fun aspect of leadership. Being alone, doing the hard work, processing, planning, praying, being before God, listening, discerning. But let me remind you of something. It's important. Satan is out to destroy your leadership. And the Bible tells us to be aware and to be on guard. Warren Wiersbe said, sooner or later, every believer discovers that the Christian life is a battleground and not a playground. We ain't playing. We need to put the work in. We need to understand that this isn't just a position or a title that we're going. We're leaders in God's church and we're doing a spiritual thing. And so Peter would tell us in chapter five, as he addresses the elders and pastors and leaders, he would say, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You see, if Satan can take the leader out, then it will affect the followers. And so the more influence I have as a leader, the bigger target I have against demonic activity. And we even see this principle in Nehemiah in verses 9 and 10 of this chapter when it says, I became, I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letter. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen, but Sabalot, uh, Sambalot, uh, the horny knight and Tobiah, the Ammonite uh, servant heard this and it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. What a picture of Satan that is, isn't it? It, 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 deple- it, it um, displease, displeases Satan greatly when we actually seek the good of people in our world. Chuck Swindoll said, when you walk by faith and seek to lead, you will encounter hostility of people who walk by sight. And Sambalot and Tobiah, these were some guys that were walking by sight, that were in it for themselves, that they didn't find joy in the vision that Nehemiah had to help people. They are actually going to oppose this vision. Remember, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy and wants to defame God's glory. And we need to be able to pray and fight in the spiritual realm. David Guzik said, you are in a spiritual battle. If you are ignorant or ignore the fact, you probably aren't winning the battle. So how do we practice this fight? Well, notice how God prepared both Nehemiah and Jesus in a place of silence and solitude. Nehemiah had been waiting on the Lord in prayer for four months. He went to a silent retreat for three days, examining things before he spoke. Jesus was led in this by the Spirit to this place of solitude for 40 days as he fasted and prayed. Oftentimes, we don't like solitude or the wilderness, but this is where the Spirit of God leads many mighty men and women, because it strengthens us for the attacks of the enemy, and it's by God's grace he prepares us for this. So as church leaders, we need to be aware of this principle that we are in a spiritual warfare and we can use silence and solitude, God's presence, to actually fight, to fight against the schemes of the devil, lead differently than the great gurus of the world. They're so busy doing hustle and bustle and doing their own efforts. But listen to what Paul says. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Colossians 1, 29, for it is This I toil, struggling with all his energy, and he powerfully works within me. God is the one that gives us strength, wisdom, and his spirit leads us. And God uses this spiritual discipline of silence and solitude, abiding, to strengthen his servants. And so we must realize that as we work in this way, we are working as worship unto the Lord and it brings glory to the Lord. The way that we stay busy matters. It's abiding in God. It's resting in God. And that does take true work. It's a spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6:10 through 14, Paul would say, finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So how do we stand firm? By standing in God, by standing in his presence. Psalm 41:12. but you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Our busyness, our work as church leaders must include seeking God in His presence. Warren Wiersbe said, Prayer is the energy that enables the Christian soldier to wear the armor and wield the sword. We cannot fight the battle in our own power, no matter how strong or talented we may think we are. God says, I'm seeking one those that would seek after me. Seek the Lord in His strength, the Bible says. Seek His presence continually. So we need to get away to spend time with the Lord and to have him help us lead. And this should be a part of our routine. This integrity creates trust that people follow and they will see the fruit of our lives as you abide in Christ, as you spend time in silence and solitude. It may be wise to read a few books like Practicing the Presence of uh, God by Brother Lawrence or a book that recently just helped me out a few ones as I was prepping and praying and planning for my sabbatical and doing my own personal private retreats and silent retreats. A book uh, by John Mark Comer, which I love, an author. He wrote a book called The Ruthless and Elimination of Hurry. Thinking about Sabbath and slowing down and simplicity and silence and solitude. Those four disciplines, leaning into that. Or maybe another book, Ruth Haley Barton. She wrote a couple of books on silence and solitude. And uh, there was another one, uh, Invitation to Retreat. Check out the subtitle, The Gift and Necessity of Time Away with God. Whew. Whew that is just fire. To have that perspective, the gift and necessity of time away with God. So let me just break down as a leader. How do I do this? How can you do this today? Well, here's a few ways that I spend time with God. Daily, I start my day with God. When I wake up, I pray, I grab some coffee, I get the word, I study, I go on a walk, I sing, whatever it may be. But man, I want little reminders throughout the day and in the morning to remind me that I'm doing this with God. Uh, Don't be afraid to pause and schedule out little meetings with God. You know, the old saints would call this the daily office. I started practicing this thing and I called it just the midday moment. During the middle of the day when I'm in the heap of the busyness and preparing for meetings, I'm just going to pause and like just play a worship song. Just read like a few chapters of the Bible. Just sit in 10 minutes of silence just to practice and to be aware of God's presence and silence and solitude. Every day, I want to be walking with God. Man, when I work out, I usually listen to podcasts, audiobooks, when I'm driving, messages to help me think about God. Daily, we as leaders need to be practicing the presence of God, and that is something we can do in our car, uh, on those little itty-bitty moments. Weekly, I practice a Sabbath where I intentionally spend more time with God, reading uh, books, messages, more of scripture, prayer walks. Um, you know, part of practicing a Sabbath is enjoying God's grace and enjoying relationships. And so I take time weekly to, to be silent in the car or uh, sing or, man, listen to podcasts. I practice journaling weekly, just taking time to reflect, to plan the week and to write out devotions, whatever may God be teaching me. There are weekly practices that we can do, uh, including uh, biblically the Sabbath, to um, to practice the presence of God, to get away, to separate, to have some silence and solitude. You always don't have to go around uh, halfway across the world to get that. You can just get in your car for five minutes before you head home. Monthly, I try to fast once a month with our church every first Thursday taking that extra time. Or before a teaching series, I'll usually fast and pray a couple of days before that. I also try to read a book or two a month. It really helps me to refresh my mind, to fill me up, to get away from the busyness, maybe the the news and the craziness of the world. I'll read a book to help me think about Christ and his presence with me. Quarterly, it's good to take a day or two each quarter to plan and to pray. I literally just have to schedule it out and let me just tell you it's always a bad time to schedule out a quarterly retreat a day of silence and solitude or two days of planning but it's important and it helps me have clarity and pray through things and have discernment yearly I I plan to go I plan uh, on going to conferences I usually go to about two conferences at least a year one specifically where I'm not speaking at or doing those things just to be fed. And I try to go on a mission trip about once a year just to get even a different perspective. I love the House of Blessing ministry that we support. I'm on the board there and uh, it's in the middle of the mountain, uh, the mountains in Mexico, central, central, uh, south, uh, central Mexico. And um, it's just so quiet and you can just get away with God and there's opportunity to serve and just to be away and to have that. Uh, moment. It's a beautiful thing. And then every seven years, right? I'm a long-term planner. <laughs> That's maybe a little too long for some of you, but I practice taking a sabbatical every seven years. And I just recently took my first sabbatical in ministry and it was a life-changing, amazing, great experience for me. And so, man, you got to be strategic to, to have silence and solitude. Nehemiah's doing it and we're seeing it's wisdom in verse 11 and 12. He just went, he just did it. He should have jumped in and done stuff as a leader, but he knew the importance of this. And I hope that you know the importance of this before you jump in and do something. This is just a way that works for me, sending those things, giving you some examples, but hopefully it paints a picture of the concept. What does silence and solitude mean to you and how can you practice that? How can you practice silence and solitude in your life? It's not just staring at a wall and watching paint dry. No, it says Nehemiah inspected these things. He took time that he needed to be alone with God. Verse 13 says, I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by the fire. And so as you learn this practice of silence and solitude, you learn to find joy in the process. For it's in the wilderness, the process, the silence and solitude that we can find God and strength to lead. Psalm 1611 says, you know, you make known to me the path of life in your presence there is fullness of joy and at the right your right hand there are pleasures forevermore don't be afraid to wait on the lord to take time to process to pray to seek god's wisdom as a leader especially as a church leader you need that and you need to take extra time before the lord to be in his presence acts 3:20 says there is times of refreshing that come from the presence of the lord nehemiah took 3 days to ponder the situation in silence and solitude and bring god Uh, into it. He told no one what was on his heart, but he took some extra time to examine the situation in silence and solitude. And we, well, we would be wise to implement this spiritual discipline as well in our leadership. Join us for a conversation with Pastor Daniel and his dad, Pastor Joe Williams, as they share a pastoral perspective on the book of Nehemiah. Well, we're talking about silence and solitude. Funny thing is, I can actually hear in the background some noise. Got got lawnmowers going on. Beautiful sunny day here in Tacoma, Washington with Reverend Joe Williams. You ever go by Reverend? Nope. <laughs> uh, neither do I, but that's okay. I like to call him daddy. 40 years of ministry experience. We're asking him questions off the cuff, preparing and trying to give you some insight, wisdom about these topics that we're learning from Nehemiah. And uh, Let me just get, before we get into the questions, just again give you a definition of what silence and solitude are, so you know what they are, and then I'll start asking away. Silence I defined in this lesson is staying still, not speaking. It's taking time to process, to think, to plan, to pray. We need to be silent as leaders. And then there's solitude. Uh, These are spiritual disciplines. Solitude is literally just taking rest and taking time away from others. We need to take rest. We need to take time away from others. We need to not speak, take time to think about things, uh, process things, plan out things, and just practice these things in the busy world. So the first question I have for you is how have you led from silence and solitude how have you experienced silence and solitude what are your thoughts on that even if you um haven't thought about these things lately how important are they for leadership in this busy and loud world
1: yeah it it is busy and it's always something to do that's for sure uh but you have to take that time to so you can listen and think and meditate what god is doing in your heart in your life uh when you're too busy, you really can't hear the voice of God because there are so many other things, so many other voices out there that's trying to steal your attention away from God. So, solitude is very important. In those quiet times, God fills you with what he wants you to do, how he wants you to lead. Uh, that's why that's why you get your power, your vision. That's why you get your um, encouragement. That's why... Um, that's where God speaks, I think, the loudest. It's when you're alone with him. You know, when Paul told Timothy to, until I, until I come, give yourself to reading, uh, teaching. You know, you will be a benefit to all those who hear you. Uh, Paul said, give yourself wholly unto them. So when you're in solitude, you're giving yourself wholly unto God where he can speak to you individually Um, nothing can replace that time that you spend alone with him in solitude because God is speaking directly to you so really that's very important and what God speaks to you then you can impart to the congregation but if you're too if you're too busy doing things where you can't stop and listen and just meditate and pray uh, you're really not gonna hear the voice of God, and you can save yourself a lot of mistakes just by um, by not being alone with the Lord. You're gonna make a lot of bad decisions, really. So that, that time is very important. So, and it's very valuable time. We live in a very busy society now where everybody wants your attention, but again, you just can't do it all. You got to say no and, and focus on what's really, really important. And that's really important—is that solitude, because that's where you get your power. So when you, go behind, when you go behind the pulpit, if you've been with Christ and meditate, meditating on His Word, um, it would be evident. Paul told Timothy, it will be evident to all that you have been with the Lord. So people will be able to people will be able to see it. People will be able to notice it. So th- that's how I do it. I always try to have some quiet time every day. My quiet time is in the morning where I can listen because I'm fresher in the morning. Seems like in the afternoon I begin to wind down. I begin to wind down in the afternoon. In the morning time, I'm really fresh and I can really uh, listen more clearly to the voice of God in the morning time. That's, That's how I do it, but there's no set time.
0: Maybe for you it might be different, but make sure you slow down so you can listen. Yeah, and I think when we think about silence and solitude, it's taking more of a proactive uh, stance in life rather than a reactive. Everyone's just responding. Mm. But if you're not thinking about your ways, pondering your ways, uh, contemplating about things, you're just responding to the events. But proactively, we need to lead and we need to hear. So what does it look like to proactively um, pursue God uh, whether it be through silence and solitude, but either, even like uh, other spiritual disciplines, what does that look like to you? What would you advise people to be proactive, to think about their ways, to be intentional about things? Why is those things important and what would you say to that?
1: Well, you you got to be listening. Um, you know, God might want to change some things in your ministry. Maybe some things are just not working. Uh, maybe God wants to do something different. We have to be open for change. Um You know, I know churches out here are really struggling because the Holy Spirit wants to do something totally different in these last days. And sometimes, especially the pastor, especially the pastor is not willing to let the Holy Spirit build a church. Uh, The pastor wants to do it. But uh, if you inquire time with God, he will show you what he wants you to do in your particular ministry. And again, every ministry is different. But in that quiet time, in that prayer, he will direct you.
0: So how have you practically over the years, made time to do a quiet time? I grew up, so the quiet time, devotional time. Uh, you've been bivocational for a lot of the years. You had small children, they were teenagers. How do we even make time where it's all so busy? How did you do it? Well,
1: you know, we all have the same amount of time.
0: We all have the same amount of time. when I was bivocational
1: um, I took my Bible to work with me. I would get to work, you know, early. And I would sit in the parking lot in my car and I would read before I went to work. I would pray before I went to work. Um, That's how I did it because you didn't have much time. You know, I drove a forklift for 30 years and uh, I had a Bible on my forklift all the time. You know, people saw it, unbelievers, uh, they saw my Bible. And many times I had a chance to witness because they saw the Bible on on my forklift and um, it was many opportunities, but that's how I did it. I, would, I think you have to just be disciplined enough to take that initiative to make time to be with the Lord. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed at how many things I cannot control in ministry. There are certain things I can't control. We don't even have a membership. We have people come just because they want to come. We don't... Um, get their names, addresses, or nothing. We just say, hey, anybody wants to come, the door is open. Anybody want to come and hear the word of God, you're free to come. And God has always blessed that. Now, you might do it different, but that's how it works for us here. He might be telling you to do something different, but it's been great for us. Uh, we don't put pressure on people. People come because they want, uh, and I think that's a blessing because I'm not trying to Uh, Build the church myself. I can't keep it together. I I can't see the future. I don't know who's going to be there next week and who don't. But God just said, you just be faithful to what I told you to do and leave the results to me. I am not responsible for the results. I'm only responsible for just delivering the message and to try to minister the best I can and i make mistakes of course everybody does but we learn from them and we move on
0: now you're taught, we're talking about being proactive you're just saying you got to make time where in scripture do you see that god openly rewards things in secret or that you see jesus go away and pray and take time what are some examples that you think that show us some important preparation right there's preparation before there's public ministry So what examples do you see either in Jesus or other leaders or scripture of how important this is of actual biblical principle to do?
1: Well, you know, you know, if Jesus got away and prayed, we know we should get away in solitude and pray because, uh, and he was our our example and we're supposed to be seeking him. You know, the Bible says, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. Um. so we got to put him first and keep him first because there are so many things that can take his place, even in ministry. Even in ministry, You know, you can be so busy serving until you can missed, miss out on the relationship with Christ yourself. Uh, so you got to make time and be disciplined enough, especially pastors, especially pastors, to get into the word of God yourself in prayer and have that quiet time so God can speak to you. And again, I said, you know, you're only one person; you can't do everything yourself. But you got to really prioritize um, what God is telling you to do. And you can't, you can't please everybody in the church. You just can't do it. I mean, so many opinions. Everybody's got a different view on this. Everybody's got a different view on that. But you know what? Um, we are supposed to be. A, a God pleaser not a man pleaser so you please the Lord that's who you have to answer to you haven't got to answer the people you got to answer to him so save yourself a lot of headache and try to please the Lord even Jesus couldn't please everybody you know they said he had Beelzebub and how can any good thing come out of Nazareth how could any good thing come out of there he had his critics you know you'll have yours but Just keep doing what God has called you to do
0: and you'll see in time it will bring forth fruit. And so as leaders, we obviously have to be proactive, implementing the vision God's given us, doing things that we're called to do. How important is that preparation? What are some things that you do to prepare weekly? An easy one, an obvious one is you, of course, got to study before you share. (laughs) You got to know what you're talking about. But there's meetings, there's decisions, there's emails, there's phone calls. How do you prep or maybe share a little bit about the importance of preparation because a lot of people think oh i want a podcast i want to i want a ministry i want to do this but they don't think about well that's going to take all this time and extra attention so what are some things that you actually practically prep for maybe weekly or every month
1: well i know sundays are coming you know you know wednesday nights you got to teach sunday mornings you got to teach uh, so you got to be real disciplined with your time real discipline Um uh, I'm not much of a TV watcher, uh, internet watcher, and all of that, because uh, I know it's just gonna take up my time. Um, so I'm disciplined enough, I get up early in the morning. You know, like Moody Spurgeon got up early in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, spend a quiet time with with God first. Uh, Moody said, I have a very busy day today, so I gotta get up early and pray, even before he started his day so I get up early uh, devotions first just him and me because there's a difference between devotion between you and God and teaching a Bible study teaching comes later but but he wants that devotion with you first even before you teach there's one thing in teaching and there's another thing in just reading just to feed your own self you have to feed your own self first and then you can study Uh, in preparation for my studies, uh, I try to start as early as I can. You know, uh, if I'm gonna teach on Wednesday night, I start preparing on Monday. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, Monday morning, early, uh, maybe it's only four or five hours, then Tuesday, maybe four or five hours, and by Wednesday night come, I'm ready to go. And then, if I gotta teach on Sunday mornings, I get up Thursday and I'll start preparing you know I, I try to be done I try to be done at least by Saturday morning i am be done with my study for Sunday because I think that's a lot of pressure either on me that's a lot of pressure to you know you got to teach on Sunday morning and Saturday night comes and you still haven't got your message prepared that's a lot of pressure I don't like that because you pressured then to get to say something you know you got to you know you got to teach and you press for time and it's Saturday night and here it is 10 o'clock and you still Working on your Bible study, so you're gonna to have to really be disciplined in your time, and and you know you got to always make time, of course, for your wife and kids and for yourself also. There's a time that you're gonna to have to have a rest and don't don't ignore your family for the ministry because the ministry will always be there, and when you and when you leave, somebody else is gonna take it. It's gonna go on. So, I prepare as early as I can. Um, some people ask me, how long does it take to prepare a Bible study? Well, it depends on what's in the passage. If it's a difficult passage, usually it takes longer. But some passages are pretty simple to teach. Other passages are not. The difficult one would take more time. So, you know, you read it over and over and over. And then you, uh, when you feel like you got it in your heart, when the message hits your heart, then that's your message. Then you're ready to preach it. But until it hits your heart, then you're not ready. So you've got to prepare and pray until it hits your heart. And once it hits your heart, that message, you won't have any problem delivering that message because you've had, you know, two or three days to talk about it and meditate on it, think about it. So when Sunday morning comes around, you're ready to go. But that takes discipline. Uh, I could be gone every night of the week if I wanted to. You know, I could be gone doing this. I could be gone doing that. But... To me, that's, that's, that's not wise to be that busy. So again, I said, slow down so you can prepare yourself, prepare, prepare your heart to give the message and then pray that God will prepare the people's heart to receive the message. Because unless the Holy Spirit takes the word of God to people's hearts, um, man, you, you just can't do it. You need the help of the Holy Spirit to do this.
0: Well, what are your, any last thoughts or anything you want to say to finish out just about that practice of silence and solitude um, that you'd want to share and just encourage people to start practicing that and just encourage them in that discipline? Well,
1: you know, silence and solitude, don't feel guilty because you, um, you're not always doing stuff all the, all the time. Don't feel guilty because you sit. If you're tired, take a nap, rest. If you're tired get you, you know, get you sleep, and do some things too for yourself sometimes. You know, sometimes as pastors, you know, we give, 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 and give, and we do nothing for ourselves. I don't know what you, you know, what you like to do, but, you know, if you like hiking or walking or, you know, hunting or whatever your thing is, do something that you really enjoy just for yourself. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with that. And don't feel guilty because you just sit down sometimes take a nap and rest and do nothing. You know, uh, Chuck Swindoll said, you know, a lot of pastors feel guilty because uh, they think it's ungodly to get rest. It's ungodly to just sit and do things for themselves. But that's not true. Do, some, do something that you like to do. that's something you enjoy. And um, I think God will bless that. Thank you for joining us for today's Leadership Lessons Podcast. For more content, you can visit eeleaders.com and follow us on
0: social media at eeleaders.